0: Through his choice vessel.
1: Thank you, Lord. I want you to lift up your hands for just few seconds. Lift it up. Open your mouth and just begin to pray in the spirit. go Skendinkosku. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you. Thank you for the heavens that are open. Thank you for the angels all over this place. Thank you for your purposes that have been established. Thank you for moments, moments of the mighty. Holy Spirit, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Mangashke ne nintakaka, edende ligos kupaka taka. Ankeske debe brinde kusuna, kuske debe da. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved, today is so significant, very, very significant. As I hear the apostle began to talk about moments, like my heart just began to, to weep. You know, at some point, there was no seed. And five years ago, the Spirit of God causes seed to grow. And not only did the Spirit of God did that, but just like the Apostle Paul says, I am an apostle by the will of God. Before the foundation of the earth, the Spirit of God willed that spirit of apostolicity to rest upon your leader and the spirit of the Lord began to quicken in my heart on that day of commissioning I really couldn't remember much but that I was prophesying I prophesied and the spirit of the Lord was reminding me of a couple of things that was said in the prophecy, this was five years ago, that the days are coming that this voice here that was inaugurated five years ago, that that the days are coming, that the voice will begin to spread into cities. Then the voice is going to be carried out into nations. The thing about the Spirit of God, especially those of you that flows in the prophetic ministry, that you understand this dynamic that when God speaks to you, He is not speaking to you, He is speaking to the you that is in you. There is a potential in you that has to emerge. And so the spirit of the Lord speaks to that potential. He speaks to the you that is in you that after a degree of progression and growth and enlargement and processing, the real you emerge. And it becomes the picture that everybody sees. He spoke to Abraham. But he wasn't speaking to Abraham. He was speaking to Abraham. He spoke to Jacob. He wasn't speaking to Jacob. But he was speaking to Israel. That was in Jacob. And I'm so grateful to God. That today. That grace. Will begin its journey. That grace will begin its journey. What a great time to be here. What a great opportunity to be part of the five years exactly today. Isn't that amazing? Exactly today. Thank you, Lord. And the privilege to be the speaker for exactly today. It wasn't planned, but it was planned by the Spirit of the Lord. Lift up your hands. Let's check the spirit realm and find what the Holy Spirit wants to say. Father, we open our heart to you and we ask you to download you know, any and everything that we need. Make your will a reality in this place. One word from God brings realignment and brings adjustment. Let every single individual receive that one word in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Be seated, please. Hallelujah. If you have your Bible, I want you to track with me a couple of things I want to share with you. I want to just appreciate uh, the leadership of this house. Thank you so much for lifting things on your shoulder and bringing vision and ministry to this point. It takes a lot to be able to do that. But also, I want to appreciate the workers. You know, when you put a conference together, it takes a lot. I could imagine some of you can't really sleep like you're supposed to. When we put our conference together, I'm the only one that has the privilege to rest and just walk in with my Bible and everybody else has to stay up to make sure that everything is clicking. And wherever you are, whatever role you function in, the Lord bless you. And the Lord rewards you. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 9 that the government is always on the shoulders of sons. And you got to put the structure, the load, on the shoulders of spiritual sons. And it really takes sons to be able to function in all of this capacity, day in and day out. And sometimes, whether you are tired or not, you're making sure that everything goes on for this number of days. Wow. Thank you. God bless you. And the Spirit of the Lord empowers you that every day you will get better and the strength of God will constantly be manifested in your life. Ephesians chapter 6. Please help me in putting the scriptures up. You make it very easy for me to maintain my time. Ephesians chapter 6. Now, if you've been with us, I'm actually dealing with the third part of the teachings on the mysteries of revival and its applications. The mysteries of revival and its applications. And this morning I want to focus on the warfares and the hindrances of revival. The warfare and the hindrances of revival. Now I began the first session introducing you to the seasons of revival. We talked a lot about seasons. And we established that God never does anything without the season that he has ordained for it to be done. We define what seasons are. That seasons are simply pockets of time that the Holy Spirit introduces into our lives to accomplish a purpose. And every time that the Spirit of the Lord intends to do something new, he has to introduce a season and a timing. Then he has to introduce the purpose or the intention for that season. And then thirdly, he introduces the anointing, the grace that makes it possible for God's intention to become a reality. Last night, I focused on two things. I focused on the conditions and I focused on the catalyst of revival. We dealt with a couple of conditions that you have to meet in order to begin the process of revival and then we look at some of the things that causes revival. Now, this morning, as we deal on warfare, many times people don't really understand that warfare is involved in revival. That before revival is birth, and in the midst of revival, there are warfares that we experience And sometimes, because of the warfare, most people don't stick too long to see the reign of God being manifested. So, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 to verse 13. Can you put it on the screen? Verse 12 to verse 13. For we wrestle not against flesh. Now, the tendency is to look at truth and look at it to be so simple. And then say to yourself, I've heard that, or I know that, until the Spirit of God begins to reveal an aspect of it that probably needs to be activated in you. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Look at verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. Because of how we war, there is a responsibility that if you are going to be successful in the war, you have to take on the whole armor of God. Not two, not three, not four, but the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to withstand that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand, having done all to stand. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 to verse 5. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not walk after. The flesh. That's very key. It's not about your mother-in-law, your father-in-law, not about the boss, not about the pastor, not about any individual. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty, and the reason they are mighty is because it is true God. The reason our weapons are mighty is because it is true God to the pulling down of what? Of strong holes. Casting down imaginations. The word imagination simply means images that are of no value. One of the greatest areas that the enemy attacks us is in our thought life. The battle we we'll go through is the battle of Information. So when the enemy is going to war against you, it's not coming against your back or your leg or your hands. It's actually coming against your mind. It is the level of imagination in you that eventually becomes a manifestation in other areas of your life. And every eye thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God And bringing into captivity every thought. Every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought. Now you're going to understand as we progress how significant this is. Every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now this is the key. As much as we desire revival. Revival involves warfare. And we must know how to war properly so that that grace or that anointing, the rain, whatever it is that the Spirit of God intend to be manifested can become a reality. There are three understandings about warfare within the context of what I'm going to be ministering that you have to understand. Number one, is the concept of warfare. The concept of warfare. Number two is warfare revivals or revivals warfare. Number three is the warfare of the believer. The warfare of the believer. The first is the concept of warfare itself. The second is revival warfare or the warfare that we experience in revival. Number three is the warfare of the believer. That means that God has a way that the believer ought to war in the spirit to be able to receive that which he intends. So let's look at three of them. Number one, the concept of warfare. Now, spiritual warfare, this is the concept. Spiritual warfare is the concept of the believer warring or fighting against the works of evil forces. That's the concept of spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is the concept of the believer warring or fighting Against the work of evil forces that is unleashed or released by the devil. It is unleashed or released by the devil. It is the leveraging of everything that God promises against everything that oppresses God's purpose. That's the concept. When you summarize what spiritual warfare is all about, knowledge wise, this is the concept of spiritual warfare. But now, the warfare in revival. When a believer experiences warfare in revival, it means this revival warfare or the warfare of revival are the struggles and the battles. That comes against a believer. It can come against a church. It can come against an individual. It comes against a believer. With a passion for change. From embracing that which God intends. It is that struggle that you go through. As you try to believe God. For something to happen in the spirit realm. On your behalf, that struggle is considered a warfare before God manifests the dream, the vision, or the reign itself. The third is the warfare of the believer. Now, this is significant. When we talk about warfare, the tendency is that we, we war against the enemy. That is the tendency. But what you have to understand as a believer, we never fight for victory. There is never a place in scripture where the Bible requires you to fight for victory. What we do as believers in warfare is that we walk from the position of victory. We walk from victory, not for victory itself. The implication is this, that God has defeated through Christ the enemy and everything that is required to be victorious has been made available for you and I. So I don't war for victory. I war from that position of victory itself. Now what it simply means is this, that as a believer, when we war, our job is enforcing And maintaining the victory that Christ has accomplished on our behalf. When the enemy attacks your health. When he attacks your finances. When he attacks the relationship in your life. You're not fighting or worrying for victory. There is a place of victory that has been established on your behalf. That you have to stand in to enforce the will of God. And then to maintain the will of God in that area of your life. Many months ago, my wife came under attack. I mean, it was was an attack that we couldn't even understand. And on a daily basis, there was this growth that was growing right on her neck. It's like waking up one morning and you find this. And as we kept examining it, he just kept growing and growing until it literally stands out. She went to the doctor. They ran every test. The doctor could not understand what it is. So what the doctor did, he said, okay, I'm going to give you an antibiotic. And she used the antibiotic and nothing happened. They tested for cancer. They tested for everything. And the doctor says, we don't see anything wrong. So go on and keep taking these antibiotics. But it just looked like the more she takes it, nothing was happening. So she made a decision. I'm not going to take any antibiotic anymore. I'm not going to go to the doctor anymore. I'm going to believe God. I'm going to use the word of God. And see if the word of God works. Now here I am. I travel all around. I lay hands on people. People get healed. And I'm laying hands on my wife. On a daily basis. And taking communion. And it just looked like nothing was happening. And every time I had to travel. My heart would melt. Because I wanted the hand of the Lord to touch her. But when you look at her. It doesn't bother her. And so she made this commitment. She went through all scripture, got all scripture that deals with healing, and she decided to take a position of enforcing that which Christ did on the cross. That which Christ did on the cross. And so she just kept confessing God's word. There is that that speaking like the piercing of the sword. The mouth of the righteous produces Health. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. And so she just kept confessing and declaring what God's word says. And it looked like the situation gets horrible and horrible and horrible the next day. And it just goes on for probably three months. And one day I walked into her office. And as I was about to carry a conversation, I looked at her neck. And all of a sudden the thing burst. I mean it just busted. And when it got busted, I mean whatever stuff that was there began to come out. And I mean it just began to flow out and began to flow out. And she waited and it flows out. And it was an holiday period. So she had to call the doctor and When she called the doctor, the doctor already prepared, was trying to get on his plane to go on vacation. And he answered the call. And he said, well, we can't understand. This thing busted and this stuff is coming out. And the doctor began to laugh. The doctor said, this is unbelievable. I never believed this will ever happen. And the doctor says, let it continue like that. And whatever stuff that was there." just, oh my God, just came out. I mean, just totally came out. And when you see her today, you will never know that she ever experienced something like that. The reason you need to hear this, which is key is, you're not fighting for victory. All you are trying to do is to enforce something And maintain something that has been accomplished on your behalf. But you have to have a revelation and an insight concerning what the spirit of the Lord has done for you. And be willing to enforce it with the spirit of patience until the manifestation becomes a reality. She wasn't embarrassed. She kept declaring it and declaring it and declaring that medicine every morning, every afternoon to the point, she says, I'm going to overdose myself with this antibiotic, not the physical tablet, but the word of God. And I mean, you can never overdose yourself with the promises of God as you declare it over and over and over and over. Something begins to happen. Maybe some of you here are experiencing sicknesses in your body. And you are in the midst of a warfare. And the enemy is taunting you and giving you the impression that it's going to destroy your life or kill you. It doesn't matter what the condition is. God's word, work. And when you war, you are not worrying for a victory. You are worried from the what? Position of being victorious already. And so you got to work in that dimension and receive the victory to become a manifestation. Are you listening to me? Now, in order to be able to do this, there are three revelations that has to be established in you. Notice the word, revelations. Revelation is key. There are two words for knowledge in scripture. In the Greek, there is the word called konosis. And konosis is just a mental knowledge. It is the knowledge that you acquire. And that knowledge can take you too far. When the enemy attacks you, when fear comes in, when there is wariness and anxiety, that knowledge will flee. But there is another knowledge called epignosis. And that is revelation knowledge. It is the exact, it is the correct knowledge as if God himself is standing there and he's speaking to you directly. And when that knowledge, epignosis, is established in you, it explodes. It gets rid of the spirit of fear and wariness, and anxiety, and all of a sudden there is a confidence that is established in you that God is able to do what he says he's going to do. And you must have these three revelation knowledge. Number one, the first, which is key, first and foremost is, you must have the revelation knowledge of who you are in Christ. Who you are in Christ. It is your identity. Who you are in Christ. Who are you in Christ? The revelation of who you are in Christ becomes your foundation. It becomes that on which you stand on. It builds your faith. It strengthens you. It encourages you. It is that revelation That Vicki, my wife, had that she stood on. I know who I am in Christ. Not because someone told me. But because I have a revealed knowledge inside of me. And that becomes my identity. And because that is my identity, it strengthens my faith. It encourages me. I'm able to look at the storm and believe that the God of the universe is able to overcome the storm. Please show me in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. A simple scripture that says, okay, notice. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, what did he say? He or she is a what? A new creature." All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. That's our foundation. Now go in and look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 and verse 7. Now after salvation, after we found our identity in the kingdom, the Bible says we have what? Raised us up together. He had raised us up together. And then made us sit, what? Together. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in heavenly places. In where? In Christ Jesus. That's who you have. The consciousness of this was what made it possible in First Samuel chapter 17 for young David to defeat Goliath. See, David realized who he was In God himself, he realized that his relationship with God over the period of time in taking care of his father's sheep and how God showed up when the lion came and the bear came and he was able to defeat the lion or kill the lion and the bear. He knew it was the strength of God and he was able to take that strength in his relationship with God to the battle with Goliath of God. Have you ever seen a lion? Have you ever had the opportunity to touch one? Well, I've seen one, and I've had the opportunity to touch one. Now, I go to South Africa often to minister. And in Joburg, now when I go there, my son there will say, let me take you to the lion's den. Yes, the lion's den. Now, before you get to the lion's den, you have to first experience what they consider... The young lions, the young lions doesn't mean that they are small in size. They're just in age wise. So they take you to one cage and then you move to another cage and another cage before eventually you go into the den. So I touched the the little one and then I went to the second one and then as I was about to touch the third one, it went to the... I knew exactly not to play with it, But it was still a baby. And so we went through the experience. And then it was time to take us to the lion's den. In the den, the lions are allowed to stroll around. But they explain a couple of things to you when you go in. Number one, you must stay in your car. Number two, you can't take pictures. Number three, you cannot open the door. Number four, you cannot make noises. So just sit in your car and experience them. And right in the four corners of the den are men with guns in case if the lion tries to do anything, they will tranquilize the lion itself. And in spite of all of these rules, there are people that have gone in there and that have been killed by the lion. And so we got into the van, and I remember sitting in there. It is amazing to see these circus. amazing to see how huge and how their reaction are. The female lions are the most dangerous one, he said. And the moment I'm not saying you females are bad; I'm just saying they're the most dangerous. One. And the interesting thing is when they saw us coming. All of a sudden, they got into the posture of attack. But you see, we were in the truck. And I made sure that everything was locked up. (laughs) I want to be able to do my preaching and fly back to the States. And so, we had the experience to go through. Now, that's exactly... How David or who David killed. Can you imagine? Uh, With bare hands. Not with a gun. Not with a sword. With his own bare hands. uh, He killed the lion. You realize that that was supernatural. It's not just something physical. Because no man can kill a lion with his bare hands. Have you seen a bear Well, I have the privilege to have bears come into my property. You cannot and you should not ever hang around a bear. When they come, you stay far away. Because when you stay close to them, they have the potential to pounce on you. So there is a rule, don't put anything eatable outside because they get drawn to it and they come right there. And if they see anybody around the eatable store, well, they attack them. It is that same day that David, with a hand, destroyed. So you see, it is the strength of God that makes it possible. But what I want you to understand, it is the revelation that David had of who he is in God that gave him the audacity and the boldness that is able to stand against the lion and the bear himself. And people of God, this is the revelation that you take into warfare. You will never be successful in any warfare if you don't have the revelation of who you are in Christ. Beloved, hear me. Who you are in Christ changes the game. It changes the game you look at that individual who threatens your life, whether it's a voodoo man, a black magic man, a witchcraft individual, whatever it is, because of who you are in Christ, you let him know, you can do this, you can defeat me, you can't overcome me, not because it is in your strength, but because of the revelation that you have of who you are in Christ. Number two, The second revelation is the revelation of who God or Christ is to you. The revelation of who God or Christ is to you. The revelation of who God or Christ is to you. The revelation of who Christ is to you is a weapon that releases victory on your behalf. And hear me, the degree of this revelation will determine how far you go in your battle. How far you go in your battle is determined by it. So this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16. Put verse 13 to verse 20. Verse 13 to verse 20. Matthew 16. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I the son of man am? Verse 14. And they said, son Say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias or Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of their prophet. Now, this is the key to verse 15. He turned around, he said unto them, Now, I really don't mind the opinion of the outsiders. You've and around me, you've been with me, whom, now notice, whom, do you say that I am? This is where the robber meets the road. And Simon Peter, I mean, rose up just like that, and answered and said, thou art the Christ. Thou art the Christ. When you, when you read it in the Amplified Translation, it says, thou art the Christ. It didn't mention Jesus because Christ is the anointed one. Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, number one, you are the son of the living God. What a revelation of who God is to him. And I could just imagine Jesus saying, wow. Then Jesus answered him, bless happy fortunate and to be envied are you, Simon by Jonah, for flesh and blood Men have not revealed this to you, but what? But my Father who is in heaven. This came out of epignosis. This is not conosis. Conosis comes from flesh. Epignosis comes from the spirit realm. This revelation is a revelation that is released to you from the Father. And the Bible says, go on. It says, upon, and I tell you, you are Peter, Greek Petros, a large piece of rock. And on this rock, Greek Petra, a rock of Gibraltar, I will build my church. I'm not going to build it on the flesh called Peter, but I'm building it on this revelation. And the gates of hell, or Hades, the powers of the infernal region, shall not overpower it, or be strong to its detriment, or hold out against it. That is how strong and how powerful the revelation of who God is to you. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, the Bible says that they that know their God they that know their God. The word knows there is the word that is connected to epignosis. It is like a man knows the wife. They that know their God shall be strong. Shall be strong. So the more you sleep with God, the more the things of God get released in you. And when it is released in you, it produces an inward strength in you that allows you to be able to war and stand against any situation that the enemy brings into your life and be victorious in the midst of it. Number three, the third revelation is the revelation of your authority in Christ. The revelation of your authority in Christ. Now, this is huge Because the revelation of your authority in Christ allows you to effectively use the weapon of your warfare and then experience victory. You know, this is key. The revelation of my authority. The revelation of my authority in Christ. Now, there are two words there. Authority and power that is made available to us. One is dunamis, the other is exousia. And when these two are connected together, something happens. When you see a man or a woman who declares to the enemy and stands on the position of the power and authority that they possess in Christ, and the enemy flee, is phenomenal. In our church, in our area itself, where our local church uh, is, is built in, the interesting thing is when we started Putting it in that area. I mean, it is one of the area that you will consider nobody wants to go in. Because it's more of a criminal area. It's a mafia area. A mafioso area. More of the Italians. So you are not allowed to even go in there. The police officers get even scared to go in there. The, the spirit of the Lord spoke to my heart that that is where we need to set the local church, dream life church itself. And I remember when we began the process that one of the head of the mafia, so, the leader in the community, walked into the building while the construction was going on. And he said this, he said, wait a minute, what's going on? Yeah. And uh, and they told him, well, it's a church. You know, you excitedly say it's a church because you believe that uh, they are on your side. And then he said immediately, who is in charge? I was somewhere in the building and they called me and uh, he walked over to me. He said, don't you know you don't, you, you don't have a right to be here? Now, I love those statements. I really do. Because you can never be able to have a reason to use God's power unless an opportunity is presented to you. Are you listening to me? Many of us love to be Christians that hides the power of God. But you will never believe in the strength you carry Unless there is element of difficulty Or situation and circumstances That are presented to you That you use the word of the Lord on And the moment you are successful You are guaranteed That the next battle that comes to your life That you will always be successful So I looked at him I said can you tell me why we shouldn't He couldn't say anything Then he says this one word. He said, next week when I come, you guys just make sure that you are gone. As he was walking, I said, excuse me, the next time you come in here, you make sure that you don't come in here with that statement. For five minutes, he looks at me. And then exactly like he said, he showed up in the week after. But this time he showed up with two individuals. The tendency is that they come into to great problem. And when he walked in, he said, Pastor, 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 it is so wonderful. Pastor, and I'm there looking, "Uh, uh, uh, are you on drugs? Did you drink uh, uh, Kool-Aid? What's going on? He said, oh, yeah, 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 go on. If you ever need an assistance, please. We are here to help you. Now, hear me. You see, you got to understand that the physical is not determined by the physical. The physical is determined by the spirit. And in proper warfare, you got to learn how to go into the spirit and deal with the situation before you come into the physical realm. If you don't know how to ascend into the spirit and deal with every problem, you will find it difficult being successful here physically. I realize that the game is not about the physical. I realize that I have to take into the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, I can prevail. It is the dimension of spirit living itself and I charge you every problem, every situation, every difficulty that you have, don't focus it in the physical realm. When I lay my hands on you and I'm about to pray for you, whether it's over sicknesses, whatever it is, I'm not seeing you. I'm not looking at your physical condition. My job is to ascend into the spirit and be able to locate what is it that is responsible for your situation. If I can take care of it there in the spirit, it is a matter of time for what happens in the spirit to become a reality. Now, to we Africans, we should be able to easily understand this. Because many people tap into various mediums. My grandmother... She died at the age of 120 years old. Okay? She was involved in voodoo. Do they call it voodoo? Okay, voodoo, black magic. You know what I mean? Witchcraft, okay? No, witchcraft is too light. Yeah, too sophisticated. It's it's too cute, you know, too cute. No, 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 it's not witchcraft. You know, when you call it witchcraft, it gives people more pride to function in it, you know. (laughs) It's like the Western culture says, just a white witch. (laughs) Ah, it's not a black witch. So it's cool. No, 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 no. Voodoo, put some, you know. (laughs) Kind of make it horrible, okay. She functions in it. And as a little boy, I will work with her and I never will forget one experience. Now, I'm a worthy person. Worthy, worry, You know, that's, that's where I came from. And when we are about to cross the water, okay, there ought to be bridge, right? Or you take a canoe. I remember an instance of, we got to an area where we had to cross. I'm hoping that, there would be a canoe since I didn't see a bridge or something to walk over. She murdered certain one. You know, you know, you know, whatever it is. And right in my eyes, the crocodiles began to come one after the other, one after the other, one after. They arranged themselves. When they now you shouldn't say ha. Ah, Some of you still know people that function in this. And that's why I love these people around me. Because it permits the power of God to get them delivered. See, if you've not encountered things like that, you will always be afraid. And so she walked, walking over, and she told me, come on. No, I said, you go. She said, come on. So I put one foot on the back, the back of the crocodile. Oh, You've seen those massive crocodiles. Put my foot there, and to eyes like, and I had to close my eyes and cross. That's the power of the evil. Okay. But can you imagine the power of Jehovah God? How can a woman talk and conjure something? It is the same law of the spirit. She goes in and she taps there and she brings there into the physical. You can go there, except that now is the dimension of God and bring there into what? The physical. And when you function in it. You see. The power of God. Begins to take place. I hate when people lie to me. Because the thing is. I try to close my ears. I can hear a statement. And I could tell you that's when the lie began. That's the truth. That's the lie. And that's the truth. That's the lie. Because for some reason. That I cannot describe to you. I can tell and I remember my wife and I would sit in the couch, we're watching TV and uh, I said honey you know that he just lied well how do you know he lied we said no that was a lie, that statement was the right statement and then probably three months after he or she is caught in the lies and I said you find out that that was a lie so when a person is making a statement and I come to the point where I hear the lie, I want to close my eyes Because I don't want to see them In a negative way But without them realizing They fail to know That I just recognize That the story was not fully complete I'm talking about a place In the spirit realm That you can function in It's a dimension of living I am a spirit I have a soul And I live in a body The essence of you is your spirit And so when your spirit is fed, strong, healthy, ascend over your soul and your flesh, you can live in a dimension in God in which you can actually command the spirit realm to become a reality in the physical realm. Are you listening to me? So these three revelations you must have, who you are in Christ, who Christ is to you and the revelation of your authority in God. Now I want you to notice something that is key. Turn with me to John 10. 10. John 10, 10. There are four simple principles to winning in every spiritual warfare during a season of revival very simple principles I want you to act like you've never seen this scripture before John 10:10 10, 10. Growing up I've heard preachers preach this You could put, it, put put it on the screen and we memorize it the thief come and not to but to still kill destroy but I came that you may have life and have it more abundantly and we quote it. But then I realize that that isn't what the scripture is saying. That's why revelation never plateaus. Revelation is always progressive. So the first principle that you have to understand is the principle of knowing the enemy. Okay, you got to know the enemy. Notice what John 10.10 says. The Bible says, this is Jesus. The thief cometh not. So everything about that verse lingers on that word, the thief. Everything, everything there is directly connected to that word, the thief. It cometh not but to do three things. Number one, to steal. Number two, to kill, and number three, to destroy. Now, let's take each of them, because it helps you to know who the enemy is. Now, the first word there, to steal, in the Greek, is the word klypto. That's what it means. Klypto. It is a word that comes out of klyptomania. Have you ever heard the word klyptomania? A klyptomania is a person with a persistent neurotic impulse to steal itself. That's who Eclipto is. When the Bible speaks about the enemy stealing, in the Greek, the emphasis is not just about somebody taking from you. It is about the sophisticated nature and the expertise at which it takes something from you. Are you listening to me? If you live in major cities, for example, New York City, you live in Moscow or Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia or probably, I don't know, in Lagos here, you have those who actually pickpocket. Now, let me give you the illustration. In Times Square, on 14th Street in New York, now, the sophisticatedness at which the enemy steals from you, you would think is magic. So, it's so crowded And because it's crowded, they don't have to dip their hand into your your pocket or your bag to take anything. All they do is to walk by you and just touch you and your wallet is gone. I mean, just like that. When Jesus talked about the enemy being a thief that's still, he's speaking in that context. He's speaking about the sophisticatedness at which the enemy without you knowing shows up and take from you. It's crypto or ecliptomania. There are two ways that the enemy does that or still. Number one, the first way is injecting negative thoughts into your mind. He Inject negative thoughts into your mind. When a negative thought gets injected into your mind, guess what happens? It steals your joy, it steals your peace, it steals anything and everything that is part of you. And eventually, when your joy is stolen, it affects everything about you. Your response towards life becomes different. Number two, by injecting negative belief system in your mind injecting negative belief system in your mind. Now, when the enemy cannot steal from you, when the enemy knows that you put the wallet really tight, close to you, and he can't steal from you, he has to do the next thing, which is to kill. But it's not taking of life that the scripture is talking about. It is the word in the Greek called t-h-u-o, T-H-U-O T-H-U-O And it's interesting T-H-U-O means this It means to willingly surrender To surrender That which is significant to you On an altar So what the enemy does is I can't take this wallet from you I have to convince you now For you, I have to tour you, for you to give me this wallet on your own without I taking it. And there are many ways that the enemy tours us. He could tour your marriage. He could tour a ministry. He could tour a, a relationship in your life. He uses four ways. Number one, the first is to frustrate you. When you get frustrated over something that is significant in your life, guess what you do? You surrender it. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to be a part of this thing anymore. So you end up giving it in. The devil didn't take it from you. You surrender it. The second way that he does it is through stressful situation. You find yourself in a stressful situation and you can't bear it anymore. Maybe in a marriage. Maybe in a church. Maybe in a business. You end up walking away. What the enemy does is to convince you that you surrender that which is significant to you on an altar. You just give it up. I'm not going to do this anymore. And there are many individuals that have been too that have been convinced to let go a call, a dream, a vision whatever it is because you were frustrated, you had a stressful situation and then number three delays hope deferred making it hard to become sick you experience delay in an area and all of a sudden you give up what you were believing God for and you refuse to press in and the fourth way is weariness weariness 6, 9 of Galatians says, don't be wary in well-doing because there is a what? A due season. So you find the enemy comes to steal, to clip to you. And for some reason, he couldn't take your wallet. So he goes to the nest. I'm going to tool you. I'm going to kill you. If it's not really to take your life, it is to get you in a place where you are convinced to let go that wallet, that which is significant to you because you were frustrated. Because you had a stressful situation. Because you were weary. For whatever reason, you quit that thing. And the enemy says, I like that. Now, notice the third thing. Notice the progression. Everything that the enemy did was based on that one statement. A thief. He comes to steal. To clip to. He comes to kill. To tour you. The third of the thing that he does is to destroy you. The Greek word there is the word opolomi. Okay, that's what it means. The interesting thing about this word opolomi is that the enemy now doesn't come to take it from you. The enemy doesn't even convince you anymore to let it go. The enemy now makes that thing in your life to become unattractive. It becomes unattractive to you. Ministry becomes unattractive. Marriage becomes unattractive. The business becomes unattractive. And when something is unattractive to you, it doesn't get your attention anymore. What do you do? You let it go. So in one way or the other, the enemy is still taken from you. The first time, He wants to take it himself from you, but he couldn't do it. And so what he has to do is to come in to convince you now for you to let go that which is significant to you. And then he couldn't do it. So now he says, I'm going to let him keep it, but I'm going to make sure that that which he values is no more attractive. That's why you got to make sure whatever God puts in your hand is constantly attractive to you. Because there are moments that you can just, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't feel like doing this anymore. I don't want to be in this relationship anymore. I don't want to attend this church anymore. But once upon a time, it was attractive. But now, it's no more attractive to you. So the enemy... He steals it. He kills it and he destroys it. Look at what Jesus says. But I came that you may have life. The zoe life. The God kind of life. But then he goes on to say not just to have life. But to have it more abundantly. In the Greek that word abundantly means perisous. And perisous means the remarkable life. The high life, the great life. Have you ever seen the striking life? I want you to have life, but I don't just want you to have it in such a way that is not remarkable. I want you to have it in abundance, a remarkable, a striking life. A life that you stand out because I bless you and I lift you. You have to know your enemy if you are going to be successful in warfare. And the enemy will only attack you in these three areas. He wants to steal, he wants to kill, and he wants to destroy. Let me give you two more and be close. Number two, you have to acknowledge that the battle is won. Before you go in, you have to acknowledge that the battle is won. You have to fight with the consciousness. That the battle is already won. If you go in knowing you are the winner, it means you are already successful. But if you go in second guessing how the battle is going to go, then you are already defeated. It is a principle of victory when you have to maintain the victories of God. Number three, you must exercise your faith. Now, it's simple to say that when you study Hebrews chapter 11, it is broken into three phases. So to exercise the faith, it's not just to know the definition of what faith is. In the first part of Hebrews 11, the Bible explains what faith is. That faith is what? The substance of things for. Now, when you read it there, you have to understand faith is a substance. That's what it means. Faith is a substance. So in order to understand what faith is, you have to understand what a substance is. If you don't understand what a substance is, you can never understand what faith is. The word substance is the word hypothesis. Hypothesis simply means a legal document that shows the proof of the ownership of something. If I walk over to Apostle And tell Apostle Your car belongs to me In the United States Even though the car belongs to him We can argue that to the court And when we get to the court I say your honor This is my car And he says no this is his car Now to settle it The judge will say Do you have a what A legal document That shows the proof That you own this stuff. That's what faith is. So when the enemy brings sicknesses to you, you already have a legal document of your healing. When the enemy tells you he's going to kill you, he came too late to declare that because there is a legal document signed by the blood of Jesus Christ that you will not die, but you will live to declare the purposes of God. That's what faith is. And the Bible says, by this, the elders of old, they obtain a good report. But then in verse 6, the Bible talks about the importance of faith. It says now, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. Why? Because he that cometh to God must first believe that God is God. Meaning the integrity and the credibility of God. You must believe that God is God. And then that is a rewarder. He has the ability to produce what he says he will produce. The third phase of Hebrews is the adventures of faith. So you have what faith is, the importance of faith, and the adventures of faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Noah. So when we talk about exercise faith, it's not to sit to cross your leg. It is to get up and respond. You respond if God says it. His character is on the line. Exercise your faith every time you are in warfare. And you will see God show up on your behalf. And then number four. Claim your victory. Claim your victory. Mark 11, 24 puts it this way. He said, therefore, when you pray, believe that you, he said, therefore, I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them. Notice the word, you receive them. Where do you receive them first? In the spirit. You got to believe that you have received them. There is no evidence in the physical realm that you've received it, but you believe that you've received it. What next did he say? He says, and ye shall have them. Where do you have them? In the physical. When I believe that I've received it, I keep my confession intact. And then allow the process of it to become a manifestation in my life. Then I could lay hands on it and I can touch it in revival you will go through warfare and when you go through warfare you can't quit you got to stay with it until revival shows up until revival shows up because the enemy is going to give you the impression that God isn't doing anything and the battle is right in your mind in your head have you ever heard voices? You in cuckoo? You're not crazy. The enemy talks. You have to talk back to the enemy. I mean, many times when he talks to me, I open my mouth and I talk back to I said, No, devil. No. Devil. And then you use the word of God to counter that. If you keep aligning him to talk to you, he will consume your thought. And when he consumes your thought, he will begin to control you. And before you know, the Bible says, as a man thinketh, so is he. Because our lives is based on choices, decisions, and responses. It is the battle that is produced in my mind, my way of thinking that is established in the choices that I make and in the decisions that I embrace and eventually my response in life becomes governed by my way of thinking. Bow your head. Close your eyes now. No one no one can fight a war for you when the victory has been established. People can come along and they can pray with you, but they can never fight the war for you. And as a believer, you don't fight for victory. You always fight from the position of victory. Father this morning I pray for everyone in this building and I pray for those at home that are watching this broadcast right now. I ask you mighty Holy Spirit that your strength will be demonstrated upon the lives of Every individual, it teaches my hands to war so that every bow of steel is broken by my hands. Holy Spirit of God, I want you to teach your people with new strategies, new strategies to deal with that situation. And that circumstance that they are going through, I challenge the spirit of the adversary this morning against the spirit of fear, that spirit of confusion, that scatteredness in the mind. In the name of Jesus, I rebuke you, I destroy your powers, and I lose your mind to victory. To success. To breakthrough. In the name of Jesus. I declare. That the mind of God. That is in you already. Becomes a reality. That the mind of Christ. That you possess. That it becomes a reality. Daily in your life. Because the battle is of the mind. I command the wind of God to visit your thinking. I command things to turn around. And I declare that on this fifth year, the grace, the mercy, the favor that is released upon this walk gets released upon you. In the name of Jesus, that the strength that is released upon this work gets released upon you, that the longevity that is released upon this work gets released upon you, that the prosperity that is released upon this work gets released upon you, that the breakthroughs that is released upon this work gets released upon you from this day forward. You will experience it in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Lift up your hands. Just lift it up. I want you to worship him. Just worship him. When you worship the Lord, I want you to forget that you are in a building. It is you and you alone with the Holy Spirit just worship Him there are people here that there are dark clouds that have lingered over your life but today the cloud that dark cloud has dissipated it is no more over you no more over you that load and that pressure is lifted off your life. There are those, you have business. But the business is not really like it's supposed to be. It's supposed to be flourishing by now. But it goes up and down and up and down. The spirit of the Lord says, From this day forth, there is a wind that comes on that business. Now for a consistent favor to take place. There are those you struggle with pain in your stomach. It's not something that is there consistently, but whenever it comes, it creates a lot of discomfort. The spirit of the Lord says, from this day, you will never again, never again, never again experience it. If you struggle with tumor, a lump any form of tumor in your body, I want you to put your hands there. Don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. There are those that struggle with the issues in their prostate. God is touching your prostate now. But if you have a lump, any form of lump, just put your hands there part of your body. Now I want you to watch the power of God. Works for you. He works for you. Father in the name of Jesus. I ask you. That your strength and your life. Be manifested in that area. Lump. Dissolve. I cause your root to die. In the name of Jesus. Disappear in the name of Jesus. Someone with a it's like your problem with your teeth. Ache. Whatever it is. The hand of the Lord is touching it. It's touching your teeth. Just put your hands there on your jaw. Father, I speak life. Now, in the name of Jesus. Now lift up your hands to God. Just lift up those hands. And from your heart, I want you to now begin to worship Him. There is the sister that was singing prophetically you can just come. Come on, just lift up your hands. Just begin to worship it. Just begin to worship. Give her a mic. Father God, thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You are not going to leave this building today without a gift. Without a gift. You are not living here without a gift. There is enough gift to be given to you. Open your hands now. Just open your hands and begin to worship Him. Jehovah, we worship Him We lay ourselves, Lord, yes. before Your throne You reign, soldier, Lord Father, I prophesy to every arms that is open on this fifth year, I prophesy that every individual receives a gift from you. In the name of Jesus, that no hands will leave this building empty. Every hands will be filled up with the gifts and the blessings of God. I prophesied this into your being that your life will be different and this gift in your hand will affect every single areas of your life and the things that have defeated you in the past will never and never and never again be able to defeat you. The light the light the light of God comes upon you and shines in every areas of darknesses and you will be victorious And you will advance. And every obstacles. That are placed on your way. Are removed. I prophesy this. And I decree this. In the name of Jesus. If you believe that. Give God a shout. Your hands. Are not empty. These hands got a gift. These hands got a gift. Amen. The angels of God put gifts in your house. You are not leaving this building without a gift. Like they we say on Christmas day, Merry Christmas. Because the Spirit of the Lord gives you a gift. You have a sick child, you just go to that child. I got a gift to give to you. Your business isn't functioning, you just touch your product. You gotta walk. You check the hands of your boss. You touch your desk. Because there is a gift. That has been given to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I said, Hallelujah. We can do better than that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Never you forget this. Know your enemy. Know your enemy. The only way that the enemy can ever defeat you is to come to steal from you. If he can't clip to you, he's going to tool you. If he can't tool you, he's going to upolome you. Is going to make that which God has given to you to become unattractive. And what do you do? You let it go. I don't want it anymore. Every gift, whether in a place, with a person that is given to us, ought to be attractive if it is God that has given it to you. Amen. Amen. Let me just talk to you about some of my materials. Be seated really quickly. The materials are almost sold out. And I want to encourage you. We don't want to go to New York with these materials. In fact, when we get to New York, I'm going to California to minister. I don't want to take these materials uh, with me. There's the materials on the destructive power of rejection. Rejection. Rejection is a powerful tool. Understanding rejection and the result of rejection. Rejection. Now, my, my wife writes books too. I try not to advertise her books with me.
0: Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you were blessed by it. To get a copy of this message, please call or text 0805-223-4444 or send an email to info at rogic.org. That is info at rhogic.org. You can also download the Horn of Revival Ministry app on Google Play or Apple Store to connect with a variety of free quality resources including Rogic Radio and our refreshing daily devotions to take you higher in life. And for real-time ministry, you can follow or like our Facebook page, Revival House of Glory International Church and Horn of Revival Ministry. You could also subscribe to our YouTube page at TV and at Apostle Goodheart to watch messages from the Horn of Revival Ministry. God bless you.